0: From the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio, welcome to Celebrating Powerhouse Women. Celebrating Powerhouse Women is proudly presented by CAB Incorporated and Capital City Home Loans.
1: And hello again everybody and welcome back to Celebrating Powerhouse Women. You all know this is the series that salutes and recognizes women leaders that are making an impact in our community. Today, I am joined by a powerhouse herself, Angela Ammons. Welcome to the show, Angela. Thank you, Amanda. Thank Um, you for having me here. Of course, and thank you for making the journey. Tell our listeners really quickly before I give them a little bit of info about you, where you drove from? I drove from South Georgia
0: in Lowndes County and Clinch County um, up to Atlanta here for this show. So it's a little over 200 miles, but I get a lot of work done in the car, listen to some podcasts, have some conference calls.
1: So that time is used very wisely. Well, thank you for making the journey. Sure. Um, Just to give everybody a little bit of information about Angela, she is the CEO of Clinch Memorial Hospital in Homerville, Georgia, located in Southeast region of georgia it's a 25-bed critical access hospital serving homerville clinch county and the surrounding counties starting in late 2017 angela led a successful turnaround effort at clinch memorial hospital which was close to shutting down now you were um, featured very recently on um, another show here on our network mm-hmm. stewarding family wealth and i actually got to listen although i was here in studio yes producing that show I got to re-listen to it this morning while I was getting ready for work and I thought it was funny how you kind of put it um, about your little town and in it being so far removed however so quaint I think you said there were 6,800 people that's right mm-hmm. in town in Clinch County in Clinch mm-hmm. County so would that be considered an unincorporated town no it's corporate it's corporate yeah I grew up in a little unincorporated town that's why I asked I didn't really know what that meant um, okay, so we'll just dive right in. Like okay. I am very excited to learn about your road to success. Uh, just to give you a, a, some kudos here. Angela's Hotel, or I almost said hotel, because we're in a <laughs> hotel. Angela's Hospital was featured in Time Magazine. That right. is exciting. And you yourself were recently featured on this Hit Like a Girl podcast, which I'm very curious about. Yeah. Tell me about both of those experiences. Um, you
0: know, they were both quite a shock for me to be invited or to uh, have someone reach out uh, for, uh, uh, for me to be a guest. The Time Magazine article happened um, as a result of another meeting. So I was invited to go to Atlanta, uh, along with my uh, mentor, Robin Rao, to tell our story to a journalist. And I thought it was gonna be a couple of journalists. And so we check into the Ellis Motel, and I walk into a room, and there is this round table of journalists. And I was just so completely surprised. It was Politico Magazine, Atlanta Journal-Constitution, the LA Times, New York Times, and so forth. And they were very, very interested in our story. And from that meeting, I had um, a journalist who wrote for uh, people, uh, Times Magazine and said, I would love to follow up with you and to share a little bit more about your personal story. And so, uh, as most, I think, a lot of successful women or women in general, we like to shy away from the limelight because mm. I think we question whether or not we deserve to be there even though we fought hard to be there. And uh, I know that the success of the hospital would not have been a, um, wouldn't even happen if it wasn't for a result of a great team. So I really hate to take um, all the credit for that, but I'm just so happy to be a part of that. And then I was introduced to Cat McDavid through another friend of mine that I've been working with on several projects. and we just had this phone call when I was at a conference and the text Texas health um, organization or association uh, meeting, I was invited down and they call me the Georgia peach because we recently moved from a fully insured health insurance program at our hospital to uh, a partially self-insured and I had looked and looked for the best partner for us to do that and I joined a captive in Texas and I was the first hospital to join this captive in Texas uh, for self-insured hospitals and so they wanted me down and we talked on the phone while I was in the hotel room and then she invited me to be on that podcast.
1: That's exciting. And and now here you are with us in Gwinnett. I'm I'm thrilled. I want to rewind just a little bit because I recognize that people listening didn't have all pieces of the puzzle like I did. Mm -hmm. Share a little bit about that astronomical success that you, like you said, you credited not only just to yourself, but to a team. Mm -hmm. Because you took this hospital and I learned a lot about the the healthcare system. Um, It's kind of like you have to, you need patients. You have to make it attractive. You're trying to win business, much like a corporation. Um, How you were able to take it from, um, I hope I'm not overstepping my bounds, but I thought you said cash on hand for three days? Three days, yeah. To 20. So you had a a large part or a big role in in that turnaround. Just share with our listeners a little bit about um, that specific instance.
0: Well, I have... Tried not to be a quitter my entire life, and I was very excited about this opportunity. I'm a registered nurse, and so when I got the call to come and interview or to um, turn in a resume, I was like, oh, I'm very flattered. Um, I don't. I think you might have me confused with somebody else. I'm not a hospital CEO. I am a registered nurse, and I am a nurse manager, and currently it was for HCA, and they're like, no, 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 we've heard it, um, about your leadership style. Please come and interview with our board, and so I did, and I'm um, so excited about the opportunity. And uh, I said, well, whatever happens, happens. God, if you want me here, you're gonna put me here. It doesn't matter who else is being interviewed. And uh, with the turn of of events, the hospital attorney called me and said, you got it. And when can you start? So I was so excited. Shortly thereafter, I really thought that I was being hired to be the scapegoat of the closure, for the closure of this hospital. Mm When I got there, there were just so many issues, and I was just so extremely overwhelmed. And even though I had not had experience running an entire hospital, I had been in management. had been privy to several meetings, sometimes private meetings, new um, finance uh, a little bit, but knew that we had to have patients, we had to have good payer sources, and the hospital beds needed to be full. And our average daily census was about 1.8. And you know that we cannot pay the bills there is not a hospital in the world that can pay the bills with 1.8 so we were about 95 percent 98 percent down from capacity and um the community wanted the hospital to stay open as long as it didn't personally affect any of them or their families and there are several family members who are employed at the hospital they've never been employed anywhere else Mm -hmm. um There were just so many standards that needed to be met or implemented that were not there before. So it was very hard and it still is hard. A lot of people believe that the hospital was established to be an employer of Clinch County and the hospital was established to provide excellent patient care. Right. That's what it was established for. Yeah. So um, a lot of people just don't understand when we have to make changes to bring in the people that can make it a place of excellence. Uh, they just take it on a personal level. It's really not. It's, it's not personal. I'm just trying to do the job that I was hired to do. So here we are three and a half, four years later, and we're thriving. I'm invited to a great podcast like, uh, <laughs> like yours. Uh-huh. And, um, and I think it was just a result of saying, okay, this is what we have to do. We've got to make a lot of changes, and are you on board? And I had to ask that of my team. And some people said, well, look, you're hiring all these people that you know. And I said, well, have you ever heard the term that you're the average of your friends? I have not. I like that. Yeah, so look around. If you don't like how your friends are, if they're low performers, if they're moving from job to job, if they're complainers, if they can't keep a job, guess what? You're the average, too. And my average happened to be people who can get a job anywhere. And who were the cream of the crop. So, yes, when I um, posted a position, they wanted to come work with me because we had worked together previously. And um, I was very glad to hire them. And it wasn't dozens. It was a few. But guess mm-hmm. what? They were great employees. And we really were worked able well to. well together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Worked well together. We could be angry with each other and we could leave the uh, boardroom or the meeting and still have a respect for each other mm-hmm. and um, I like that I like being able to work like that so and here we are still struggling we were not expecting a pandemic to hit us in three and four ways but I think because of that foundation we built when trying something new and implementing a brand new thing that we had never done
1: before really prepared us to survive the um, COVID pandemic What I'm hearing most, aside from all of the the fantastic things that you actually literally shared, is that you were able to lead a team with fortitude. And you were able to kind of help carry on the morale, which leading through example, like you're saying, you are the average of your friends. um, Leading through example to help kind of revive the facility and lead the team to success. Yes so your story as a whole which we're going to get into now Mm -hmm. because i realize i have all the knowledge and our listeners don't Mm -hmm. is quite a story of resilience so let's hop in our delorean angela we're gonna (laughs) fly back to uh the time give us a little bit of background about um growing up maybe your family and kind of um you know the teenage to 20 years okay Uh, my mother is a first
0: generation american she was born in korea and my dad was in the military and he met her in korea while he was serving there they um came to um, the united states after my brother was born and after my brother uh, i mean my dad uh, left the military and, uh, and you have two brothers and one sister two brothers and one sister yeah. all very different but all the same in the same uh, uh same breath and i say that and you know when you're a child And you're the only Asian-American in the entire school, and you think you have an idea of what normal is, and you say, why can't my parents be like my best friend's parents, and why do we have to eat kimchi, and why does our house smell like garlic all the time, and things like that. But um, as you get older, you develop an appreciation for your parents. And, um, you know, hearing stories, uh, having my mom relive some of the stories that she had coming to America, how she had to survive, the, some of the hard decision, decisions she had to make and taking care of us and she did not raise us when we got here. My parents got a divorce uh, shortly after my si- youngest sister was born and my paternal grandparents took care of us. But looking back now, I realize that was a hard decision for her, but she could not read and write. She could barely speak English. My parents got a divorce. My uh, father had demons um, resulting from alcohol and it was just hard for her I mean but looking back how brave was she to divorce the only source of income that she had because Absolutely. she had gotten fed up with that and then to work as a seamstress she just retired a year ago I think at the ripe old age of 72 from Thomaston Mills but um, because of various reasons uh, a lot that I won't go into and sometimes you know it's hard to discuss it because even my own family members don't know what happened, but I left home at 15 uh, my sister was right behind me. She left home at 14 and we have just fought our way through survival. Ever mm-hmm. since then, I would have a panic attack if my child said she was leaving at 15 years old. Yes. I'm like, you don't brush your teeth on a regular basis. You're going to go out there <laughs> and take care of yourself. There is just no possible way, but we did it. And sometimes you are just so busy surviving that you forget about the, um, things that you've had to fight to overcome and they just become a distant memory but it was definitely a challenge so dropped out of high school later on went and um, got my ged went to nursing school at coastal college in brunswick georgia received my rn went back and got my B.S.N. and working on my master's so um i am definitely a testament if you want something hard enough you um, just have to work for it and yes you know some people when i got this job you know there are so many misconceptions about how I got the job, and you know why do you deserve it? I don't deserve it, and you know quite frankly, I'm probably the person who thinks I'm least qualified. But that's okay. Uh, you know I'm given the opportunity. I'm going to work hard while I'm here. I'm going to admit the things I don't know and be resourceful and get help with that. But I think that's just been a pattern in my entire life of just overcoming things. You know there has been some difficult situations difficult people that i've had to work with here um as being ceo of clinch moral hospital and a lot of people are like i can take that if someone spoke to me like that or if someone said that i would be out of there i'm like what are you talking about Is that the worst you have? Bring it. I've been (laughs) I've been through so much worse than that. You can't talk to me like that. You said
1: I've always heard the thick skin, but you you said my hard shell, yeah, my hard shell. That's funny. Like like you don't
0: know what this armor looks like, honey. Mm -hmm. If 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 you think that repelling bullets, yeah. If you
1: think that horrible thing you just said to me is the worst I have ever heard in my entire life, you just have to come back with a little bit more. I want to uh, touch on that really quickly, okay. and I, we, want, we don't have to mention the instance, um, but it is it was one that took place in the workplace, mm-hmm. and it was a gentleman who said some unkind things to you. Mm-hmm. I don't like to dip our toes too, too much in this, because I believe, like you, that we are equivalent to the men in the workplace. We're, we're in a room full of men, guys. <laughs> um, but that experience itself having to be in that position and remain calm Mm -hmm. or remain unfazed you know uh, and like you said let it just pelt off of your shell and then come in the next day and probably see that person for women that struggle with something like that in Mm -hmm. the workplace what would your advice be to them in order to uh, overcome Mm -hmm. that discrimination well, um, first thing I want to say is if you are being abused
0: in any form or fashion, you know, do not tolerate it physically. Um, I think there are um, boundaries that people should not cross. And when it harms you and you're afraid, you definitely have to speak up for yourself. But as C- CEO of the hospital, I had learned that there was just a culture that had to be changed. And there were, was a tolerance of behaviors that had been ingrained or disallowed for so long, and I was not going to change that overnight. And I was not there for me, it wasn't necessarily for me. I was tasked with saving this hospital in this community and making sure the hospital is going to be viable for years to come for the employees. So, when insults were uh, sent to me about my appearance, um,
1: and which I have nothing to do with your ability to f- no to fulfill the demand,
0: no, but and I don't know if the listeners, um, who will be listening to this podcast had heard the others, but there was a physician in town who thought it was very humorous to ask me questions about my weight, whether it was in a professional setting at med staff or during a performance improvement plan. He would say, Mrs. Ammons, have you lost any weight? It doesn't look like it. Or our next performance improvement plan should be reducing Mrs. Ammons' BMI because she is not just overweight. She's clinically obese. And guys, I'm a size 10. I think the American right. average female size in the U.S. is 14. Yeah. So, But he just thought there, there was a way to get under my skin because all women worry about their appearances. Mm-hmm. So I would just shrug it off and let everyone else be uncomfortable in the room. But I knew there was a time and a place to fight that battle. And I had to establish myself a little bit more. I had to prove myself to those who really didn't think I knew what I was doing. And there would be a time when I could take care of that and I can speak up for myself. And anyone who is under that kind of pressure you just have to realize you know what is the goal here is it to make sure that everyone loves you is it to get um kudos from everyone every single day to have everyone go oh my god you're the unicorn that we've been missing in our life guess what it's not going to happen especially in this corporate world so you just have to make um decide within yourself what can i tolerate what will i not tolerate that breaks boundaries and rules and potentially get my board members a lawsuit Mm -hmm. and um, find a way to speak up for yourself but I knew then that the chasm that was already there would just get wider if I um, spoke up then Yeah. yeah
1: so there was an appropriate time to take care of it so if you don't mind me asking uh was it resolved do you still interact with this person um semi regularly or at all
0: unfortunately not I would like to interact with them more because I am the belief yes we are, are um I think women should be given the shot just as much as anyone else and but I do believe in an appreciation of our differences hmm. and look we don't have to do the same thing we don't have to have the same interests we don't have to have the same likes let's just appreciate what we each bring to the table so i would like to develop a relationship because i do have appreciation of what they do bring to the table and i'm going to keep trying even though i firmly believe that i have behaved in the best manner at all times and i maybe at times have just been misunderstood so i'm going to continue to extend the olive branch because i know it's best for our community and for our
1: hospital and at the end of the day it's not about me wow Mm -hmm. it takes a big person to to say that i mean obviously even the fact that you'd be willing to uh, go out of your way to create that relationship is a testament to your ability to overcome that diversity, Mm -hmm. which is unfortunate. Kind of switching gears. uh, We've talked about everything that you've done for the hospital. One thing we didn't mention is that you're also a mother, you're a dog mom too. during all of the, the hustle and bustle of, of all of your uh, responsibilities within the hospital and your home life, mm-hmm. what does Angela like to do um, to kind of expand your mind or reset? What do you enjoy doing to stay physically, mentally, and emotionally sound? Um, I am a person of faith, so
0: I do love to listen to, and I haven't been to church in a while just because of the COVID, but we're branching out again and going mm-hmm. back, but I love reading. I love watching documentaries on Netflix. I can get so absorbed in the avocado world. Have you ever watched that? No. And now every time I get an avocado, I'm like, how many people have not had water because of this avocado? But it's just things like that. But I love to travel. I don't get the chance to do that. But um, a three-day, four-day trip somewhere, and I travel by myself a lot, and I love that. Mm -hmm. Some people are like, aren't you afraid? I'm like, afraid of what? I mean, we are so connect with each other with social media and text messages and so forth that my family knows or you know my where best friend knows listen if you don't hear from me in 12 hours there is something wrong uh-huh. drop a pin yes let
1: someone know where you're at. yes
0: exactly and I love doing that and I'm reading several books now I have boxes of books and baskets and everywhere in my house where I've and I also suffer from ADD. But I'll pick up and read a few chapters, mm-hmm. and I'll put that down, mm-hmm. and I'll go somewhere else. So, I'm reading a book on Cleopatra. Cool. Powerhouse Woman. Yeah. So, I'm reading her story right now, and also a book by Simon Sinek, Start With the Why. Mm-hmm. So, I'm reading that. Just listened to a great podcast from Brene Brown um, on her Dare to Lead series. It was about impact players. Because... I knew in my mind what I wanted to communicate to my staff, but I could not put it in the language Hmm. to say, this is what I need from you without sounding like an ogre. Mm -hmm. So I just copied the link, and I sent it out to all of my managers, and I knew who my impact players were, and I knew who to respond immediately or take the time to listen to it. I said, this is a phenomenal podcast. You know, I always try to invest in myself and listen to this. Here's the link. Listen to this when you have time to actually listen. Mm -hmm. This is not a checkbox for a to-do list. I want you to listen to it. And I want you to answer the question, what do you look like sitting on the bench during the game? Hmm. And if you listen to that podcast, it talks about, you know, when you're sitting on the bench and you're sidelined. Like a basketball reference? Yeah. What do you look like? If you're waiting to go in the game, are you one of those guys, um, players are who enthusiastic, are enthusiastic, yeah, like supporting your team? Yeah, goofing around, you know, slapping the towel with your friends, that mm-hmm. kind of thing, not really engaged in knowing what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So if you're called into the team, you are not paying attention, called mm-hmm. into the game. You mm-hmm. aren't right, aware like, of everything. Yeah. Or are you the player that's sitting there listening, watching everything, and prepared to go at any minute's notice? Mm-hmm. I like that. So I wanted them to really do a self-assessment and say, you know, how, what am I? And a mm-hmm. lot of them said, how do you perceive me? And most of the time, it was spot on. This is exactly how I perceive you as well. So I like those kind of things.
1: Have you ever heard in, in, as a leader within your organization, um, I remember eons ago, I had to do like a strengths finder test with my sales team. And even recently um, on the the board of the Gwinnett Young Professionals, Chase, um, she had us all complete the Enneagram just to kind of see where we fall on the scale to see who would uh, work well with each other just based on these statistics, so on and so forth. And I learned a lot about myself because I had no idea what an eight was, but man, was it spot on. Yeah. Do you find value in assessments like that? And do you recommend teams participating in things like that? I do. Um, I do think it's beneficial.
0: I think there's a lot of times that we participate in things like that. And a lot of the staff are just so glad to leave the meeting. They really don't take any interest after right. that. But I believe in a lot of follow-up mm-hmm. and meeting one-on-one with your staff. How can I help you? Mm-hmm. What's going on? Um, I think the it's the worst time to find out someone is unhappy when they're turning in their resignation. I really want to know what they're doing, if they're feeling vested and um, I don't like surprises. I try to circumvent those as much as possible. And I encourage everyone to be better. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people if you say what's Angela who is she like Angela Ammons. They say tough but fair. I like that. I'm a, velvet, a, brick. Yeah, this- like a <laughs> velvet brick. Yeah, I was sitting at this <laughs> like a good album cover. Velvet brick, yeah. I was sitting with this group of ladies the other day having lunch and it was about selling coffee to support Um, uh, a girls orphanage in Honduras Mm -hmm. and uh, one of the ladies spoke she goes you know I'm tough but fair but we have to be responsible she says, I'm a velvet brick I said oh my god I love that term that's That's going to be something if I was to get a tattoo I'm just going to put it there velvet brick velvet brick and a lot of people don't understand the responsibility that we have Mm -hmm in being that way if men do it and I say that because I have worked for a lot of uh, CEOs and physicians if they do it they're just taking care of business that's who they're wired for and if women do it we're difficult Mm -hmm. but we're not difficult we're tasked with the same job and responsibilities and we just have to do it that way so
1: yeah you were speaking about um (laughs) in <laughs> the velvet brick, I still just have this image of like a purple velvet brick in my mind. Um, I do want to give accolade to you for all of the things that you participate in within the community. One thing specifically stood out to me is your mission work. Yes. Now, you just said Honduras. It's mm-hmm. in Honduras that you it do is missionary Honduras. work, right? Yes. And it's a medical mission,
0: correct? A medical mission. Yeah. I Tell us about it.
1: I was one of those people for years, like,
0: there's no way I'm getting water from a well and a butter bucket and washing myself with one bucket of water. I'll give you all the money in the world, but I'm not going. And um, I had listened to this team of missionaries speak at our church one time, and I just heard this, clear small voice say you're going on the next mission i was like you're so funny (laughs) i'm just like i'm not going i'm not going to honduras Mm -hmm. um you know i wear makeup every day it takes me two hours get ready i was Mm -hmm. like there's no way i'm going to honduras and then 30 minutes later you're going on the next mission trip i said okay god if you want me to go you're gonna have to let me not spend one penny
1: right guess what yeah
0: not only did i have every fund provided for the airplane trip my portion but it was above and beyond it was almost double that I was able to contribute to that mission team and I just fell in love with the people there Mm -hmm. I fell in love with the work I fell in love with getting back to the roots and it can be so hot and sweaty but you don't notice you don't have air conditioning you don't notice that you are getting water from the well that day Mm -hmm. to bathe in and the children are so happy and the people are so loving um You just forget about all of those first world world things that you're uh, used to. So So from
1: the medical side, did you go provide relief of some sort or basic, you know, like uh, medical care? Like, were you performing checkups or was it just through a, a medical, you know? Mission.
0: It was through a church, and there was a group of medical providers. It was mostly nurses, EMTs, and that thing it, um, for the first one. And then a good friend of mine, who is an advanced EMT, we said, Look, we can do this. We can bring a team in on our own. So we did, and we brought a nurse practitioner, a former Army medic who's a registered nurse, and um, other teams in, and we set up in a church mm-hmm. in Honduras. Wow. And people would walk three to four hours to, just to get to us. And most of the time, it was for attention. Because they just wanted to talk to us and see us. But a lot of times we saw some very uh, bad things, you know, children with parasites, Mm -hmm. um, a child who had uh, diabetes and was insulin dependent and they couldn't afford the insulin. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's just so many um, heartbreaking things we saw. So do you go um, like regularly or is, is you go, how many times have you been? I had planned on going regularly mm-hmm. and then I took the job as CEO and that became my new mission. Right. And a lot of people think, oh, mission work is going to Africa, it's going to that. Uh-huh. No, my mission work turned into Clinch Memorial yeah, Hospital and the people there Absolutely. Uh, to develop um, talent, to keep the hospital open, to provide um, uh, care for the community. And there's been so many things that have happened that it would have been such a negative income Not a negative impact, but a negative impact if we had not been there. There was a coffee shop explosion in Clinch County, and three girls were severely burned, and our EMS team had to be there on site within a couple of minutes. Um, We revived a baby recently who had been born at home, um, breached, and who had not been breathing for about 10 to 15 minutes, and our team revived that child. Uh, We were able to fly people out who've had a stroke, Mm -hmm. who've been in uh, massive uh, vehicle accidents, and if we had not been there. If we had closed four years ago, there would have been definite so negative impacts. Yes. Yeah.
1: Wow. You know, it seems to me just listening to our conversation and you mentioned, you know, you got your GED and then you went into the RN world. Mm-hmm. That in your faithful person, as am I. I think you had a true calling for for mission and service work the entire time. What led you to the field of medicine uh, during that kind of, um, you know, ambiguous time for yourself? Well, nurses generally are
0: codependent. <laughs> I, think, I don't think there's a nurse out there who won't say that they're not. But I think it was because of me being on my own and me coming across so many people who, and, you know, sometimes people go, oh, well, who are your mentors? Well, I've been taught more by people who treated me negatively hmm. or in the worst way than those who were very kind because they taught me how not to be. From the shame of the conversation or from, I guess, the rejection of the uh, relationship or just, you know, just flat out just being stabbed in the back. I'm like, I will never be you. And if I'm even close to you, I'm going to go so far on the other end of the spectrum
1: mm-hmm.
0: that we will not be similar. So I think just seeing so many people in need and me being in a position of need so many times and not have survived that without people extending that hand of help. Mm, to give back. Or for me to go, this is fine, this rejection, what you just did to me or what you just said to me to try to belittle me, I'm going to do everything in my power to overcome that.
1: And not make anybody feel like that ever.
0: Ever again. so nursing was a way, and when you're sick in the hospital and someone has to bathe you mm-hmm. and they have to do things to your body because it's medically necessary, it's such a vulnerable position to be in Mm -hmm. and there have been so many moments in my life where I've been so vulnerable and I thought you know this is a way that I can take care of people and Mm -hmm. pay that back and try to make people feel as comfortable as possible and I can say that I was an excellent nurse um I felt you were (laughs) I mean my patients were happy to see me i think the families really uh trusted me and the doctors really like me um they would make comments to other people you know every time we come in here angela's in the room with her patients or our patients are very clean um it was just part of that hard work ethic i'm being i'm being paid to
1: do a job here i shouldn't be sitting down unless it was course, absolutely necessary yeah. but, and to do it with dignity and yeah. to allow your patients to yes. feel that dignity because like you said the positions that they're in might be embarrassing Mm -hmm. or uncomfortable but for you to treat them as though there were no issue right I can only imagine that 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 was a good feeling
0: it it was and sometimes I would have patients open up to me about addictions or things they didn't feel comfortable disclosing in an assessment with another nurse Mm -hmm. and I would come in and I said well tell me what brought you here what's going on and, and I would share a little bit about my life. And they said, well, I didn't tell the other nurse, but I did use cocaine last night, mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. So mm-hmm. it's very important for us to know in the medical yeah. world. If you how start you to go on them. withdrawal from alcoholism stuff, we have got to know. So I just think um, being open and being non judgmental And, you know, we see so many people that come to the ER or into our services that don't have a clue. They didn't have the parents to teach them mm-hmm. basic etiquette or to how to say no or that – you know, these young girls that sex is not romance. Okay. And you can say no and speak up to yourself. And now I would hear some nurses, well, give her that shot of a seven really hard. Um, because, you know, she had an STD and she knows, better. I'm like, when well, we don't do that, Oh, we don't do that.
1: Right. It's not for you to teach her a lesson. Yeah. And this is the <laughs> third
0: time someone's been here for the tempted suicide. This is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, be grateful that they're here. That they didn't actually do it. Yeah. They didn't succeed in that. So I just think um, perspective and, Having the right attitude definitely um, does a lot for success in any career that you take. I mean, my first job at 15 was a waitress at Shoney's, mm-hmm. and this is the old Shoney's where you had the green polyester skirt, probably way before your time because well, they older than you. Well, did they have you. the buffet at the time? They did. Yeah, I remember they they that did. buffet. They did. I was just so excited. <laughs> yeah to be out of the house, to have my own money money. that I just love going in there. Mm -hmm. I just absolutely loved it. So I think having the right attitude and I tell all the new nurses and the new employees in orientation because I speak to um, every new orientation class at the hospital said you are in a job interview every single day of your life Mm -hmm. you don't know who you're going to come in contact with in the future you don't know who's watching you you don't know if you're going to be self-promoted or promoted just by someone me coming up and saying you do a great job Mm -hmm. you show up every single day there's a management position coming up and i want you to apply for it Mm -hmm. do it And so I'm hoping to inspire people to do that.
1: You know, I liked what you said. And in case anybody wants to catch um, a more in-depth or a different um, story from Angela, she was featured recently on Randy Brunson's podcast, Stewarding Family Wealth, Mm -hmm. which is a two-part series. And you can kind of uh, get more of an idea of where I'm getting my nuggets of information. But you said something that really resonated with me, and it was about your interview process. And then I'm going to get off your your interview and hospital bandwagon, and we'll dive into something else. Okay. Okay. When you were going for the interview, which you yourself said that, how shocked, like what, me, who? Mm -hmm. You said that regardless of the outcome, you were going to participate for the experience. For the experience. And that there's value in that experience. Yes. I agree with you 100%. And I think many people, um, they don't really value the experience itself. Mm -hmm. But even if you don't get the job, putting yourself in that uncomfortable position in front of that person will only help you grow and develop as a professional and as a, as a
0: person. Right, absolutely. And you know, I said, if I don't get it, it's fine. Who has the opportunity to interview for a CEO position? Oh, right. not, a usu- not usually a 15-year-old high school dropout. So I was just excited. And um, a good friend of mine, her name is Charlotte, and I always call her for uh, sage advice. And she said, Angela, it's the experience. Mm-hmm. Just go because you're going to learn something from that. I said, you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely learning from this a- experience. And I think a lot of people including myself at times, have fear that holds us back. We're always in our mind having this conversation with ourselves, a harsh Mm -hmm. conversation. The way we talk to ourselves can be pretty harsh Mm -hmm. at times. But, oh, why are you going for this
1: interview? You're going to look like a fool. Don't do it. But, no, um, don't listen to that. Go. I call that negative self-talk. Yes. And as women, unfortunately, we do have a lot of that going on in our heads, at least I do. I think you did too sometimes. I do, yes. Um, we're going to have a, a quick word from our partners who are also two powerhouse women who support okay. this series, Terry Jondal and Tammy Schumate. And when we return, we'll dive into another part of your world, okay? Okay. Since 1982, CAB Incorporated has been a distinguished leader in manufacturing and global sourcing, serving a variety of industries, including infrastructure, hydraulics, automotive, and rail, with their precision machined iron and steel products. As a woman-owned company, CAB Incorporated is proud to be a returning partner of the Celebrating Powerhouse Women series. With strong roots in the past and firm footing in the future, Capital City Home Loans combines an old-fashioned sense of community with a progressive attitude. They are a trusted full-service lender offering mortgage finance products and empowering their associates to help clients choose the best options. They are focused on being the best and strongest lender in the Southeast. Visit CCHL.com slash locations to see all of their offices, including Gwinnett. All right, welcome back. Angela and I were kind of chuckling uh, on the break because we had a great conversation about fur babies before the show. And she has a Morky? Yes. Okay, I'll let you tell everybody what the Morky combo is, but I just like saying Morky, morkey 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 I think it's <laughs> cute. And I'm just now noticing on your charm bracelet, is that a little morkey It is Morky. a little it's Morky. So cute. Yes, I like, I like hearing you. the jingle bells. Thank your, you. Your I your love charm, charm, charm bracelets. bracelets. Yes, they're so exciting because each one means something. They do, and you get to remember it. Yeah. And when people ask, you get to tell a little story. That's right. Absolutely. So, good good conversation us. piece. Tell us about your Morky. What's his name? And then there's a funny story yeah. about that too that I want you to share. My
0: Morky Maltese. Um, Slash Yorkie Mix, he's 3.9 pounds, and he has a heart of an 80-pound dog. Um, My children hate him. They said if I die before him, they're putting him in a pound because they actually cannot stand him. <laughs> no. But, you know, we have our own routine, and they, he, they just disturb it when they come over. Wait, your children aren't in the home anymore, right? No. Mm-mm. So,
1: really, you know, they're they're in his territory That's when they right. come back. Because he's got right. the whole house and you to himself. That's right. Okay. And so he does not like to share. Does not like to share Only child all. syndrome. Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: So, um, he his name is Herschel Walker because I'm a huge Herschel Walker fan. And I was so excited a few weeks ago, the Herschel Walker... Great Georgia football player And among other things Came to Clinchmore Hospital On his tour for the Senate And he autographed a picture Of my Herschel Walker So that's going in a frame I'm going to have it in the living room For all the children to see see. And throw darts (laughs) at it But you know I was just so excited Herschel Walker is the nicest man just so um, down to earth and he does have a passion for saving rural and for doing great things so i'm so grateful i had the opportunity to meet him
1: was it a surprise or did you know he was coming
0: no it was a plan we had um the uh tour uh guy not tour guy but um his representatives were called and were hitting several big areas and industry and so forth and i knew someone who was on that uh, team and i said oh my god You've got to have him stop at the hospital. Mm-hmm. You have to. So uh,
1: we knew about two weeks
0: out. Yay. That's yeah. exciting.
1: Well, I bet he was floored to, to see the doggy. And then furthermore, I didn't put the two and two together until you just said that he only weighs 3.9 pounds. Yeah. That's even ironic because football players yeah. not three huge. <laughs> And so then you got this little baby teacup, <laughs> yeah. Morky. That's fun. Well, I am also a dog mom, so you're in good company. Mm-hmm. Um, while we are on break, I mentioned to you, um, getting into your philanthropy mm-hmm. and I would love for you to share with our listeners about your specific initiative. Um, I heard about it before in mm-hmm. trying to create, I don't, I don't think compound is the right word. Is that the right word? Like the, uh-huh. the community that you're trying to create, the sustainable oh, yes. community. Mm-hmm. And then also talk about the Georgia Grown initiative. Well, in your court. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I believe, you know, busy, um, professionals like ourselves, we, have given, been given a lot of responsibility, but we've also been given a lot of opportunity to change lives, and we can't forget that. Mm-hmm. Um, we have uh, resources that a lot of people don't have. We have contacts and network, and I believe that we can change the world as long as we stay focused on that and we're open to that. I mean, I think God taps millions of people on their shoulders every single day, allowing them to have the opportunity for something big, and whether it's fear or busyness or it, something else, we just ignore that mm-hmm. and that's fine because he's going to tap somebody else on the shoulder but uh, one of the things that came up this last year or the first year of the pandemic was um, some of our farmers in our rural area cannot offload their crops of blueberries and you know with the supply chain shut down restaurants being closed tour tourist industry was at a standstill and these poor farmers who had worked all their lives were just watching their fruit and veg die Diet. on the vine. And someone called me, and it was a former board member, and said, Can you buy some blueberries? And I said, Absolutely. Do you think anybody else would be interested? I said, Absolutely. So I got on the phone, I called other hospital CEOs, and my mentor, Robin Rao, um, said, Absolutely. I'll buy blah, blah, blah pallets. And she no, said, No, you're talking about for the hospital. For the not hospital. Not just for your personal consumption. Not for the okay. f- personal consumption, because we are going to give it away as gifts to our employees. Mm-hmm. Because with the pandemic, we didn't have the money. We were battling huge costs ourselves and increased costs because of COVID testing. So we were trying to find little ways to reward our employees. So appreciation. Hey, at the end of your shift, come and get two flats of blueberries or something. So we started doing that. But then I also recognized or just hit me during this pandemic, hospitals are the number one place that's not shut down. We still have a kitchen. We still have employees we have to feed. Mm -hmm. We have to um, feed the patients. Why can't we create a collaborative Or this group of people that we can say, let's buy from our local farmers. Mm -hmm. Let's help them because we're always going to be open. So it started... an initiative from there and I met Cassie Sagal who is a powerhouse woman herself and she had been working to buy b-grade vegetables in preventing um, food from going to the landfill she lives in Atlanta she also owns another software company and she does um, a podcast herself called Supernova Commencement is that who you
1: mentioned to me when we chatted? yes and she
0: um, said Angela I would love to be able to give the opportunity to help farmers if they have a last-minute cancellation. Instead of us putting 500 boxes of zucchini in the landfill, Mm. can I call you in a moment's notice and you buy some from me? Absolutely. So we've done that, um, and we've developed... um, I guess a corporate, or she's developed a corporate wellness program to where companies can actually gift their employees with a box of seasonal fruit and veg. That's fun. And it's using rural, local farmers. And it's not blueberries from Mexico or tomatoes that have been gassed. It's all locally grown, and we
1: help our um, local farmers doing that. And that's making a difference. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I wrote this down because I'm just totally surprised, but maybe it's not a surprise to many people. Like zucchini goes to the landfill? Whatever crops are in the it goes to landfill. Why wouldn't they feed it to an animal or a compost pile? Or is it for, just because that's the easiest thing to do? It's the easiest thing to do. And I think there's regulations around it. Right. So it goes to a landfill.
0: Just like all the food that uh, your grocery stores deem is Mm -hmm. not sellable, Mm -hmm. it goes out there to those big and damp seed dumpsters and it goes into the landfill instead of giving it away. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And there's so much like hunger out there. There's so many people battling hunger. There are. And so that's called the Georgia Grown Initiative. Well, Georgia
0: Grown um, it, uh, is um, something that the Georgia industry and ag industry created. So they really like to tout anything that's Georgia Grown, but it was the Georgia Rural Hospital Food Collaborative. Ah. And so, and Cashy's company is called Retaza, and um, she's really developing a great program to where we um, can provide
1: mm-hmm. local produce to our employees and to our hospitals. So I like that. Well, yeah. kudos to coming up with the idea and then also solving a problem, Mm -hmm. um, locally and helping support those that are, that are farming in your area. Mm -hmm. You know, I love going to the little local vegetable stands because, you know, it's not the most beautiful produce, you know, which people like by aesthetically when they go to Kroger, you know all the apples look the same and la di da. But I like the like heirloom tomatoes that look all gnarly, yeah. or you know things like that. And I feel like they all taste better too. They do. We got a shipment of sweet potatoes, and they were not pretty. Mm-hmm. They
0: were like but they tasted though. So but guess what? They tasted great. Mm-hmm. And we in a hospital, we don't care how they look because we're gonna chop them up, puree them, or whatever, and mm-hmm. we're gonna feed them to our patients. And we feel like they're
1: getting a more nutritious food yeah. because it's locally sourced. A minimal pesticides mm-hmm. so on and so forth uh it's escaping me angela and i apologize but um i meant i remember you and i having a discussion about what you uh, aim to do in the future mm-hmm. with uh, the piece of land and kind of creating a um help me out here I'm, well I'm at a loss.
0: one of the things that a lot of rural hospital ceos face is out migration of people our census drops year after year because those um, people who go off to college usually stay in the urban areas they went to college in so there's a very small percentage that ever returns and the um census is getting older because those people have established their roots and you know their only way for a hospital to remain viable is to have people to come to the hospital right so um that is something that always that always worries me but how are we going to grow clinch county how are we going to do that? And one night I was visiting a friend up in Atlanta. She and I um, were going into a grocery store, and I saw a man and his two children outside of Publix, and it was snowing. It was mm-hmm. in January. And they had one little suitcase between the three of them. It was freezing. And I said, Candy, do you think they're homeless? And she goes, well, it, or probably. Probably. And I was thinking about my boys at home and being homeless at times and being in situations that I just asked for a miracle. Mm -hmm. And I said, I can't leave here until I find out what's going on with them. Mm -hmm. So we walk out, and I start talking to them. And all the shelters were full because it was snowing, and there are limited shelters for men with children. So he didn't want to separate from them. And they were staying at a hotel or motel downtown and had gotten kicked out because he could not afford the room. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, are there rooms? tonight and he said yes I said I'm going to put you up for a couple of days Aww. get in the car so we drove to downtown Atlanta and I think the motel was across from a homeless shelter that had closed mm-hmm. one of the largest ones and he was telling me a story and you know there is a huge misconception about people who are homeless or who are runaways or who um, find themselves in bad situations um, that we cause it. Mm-hmm. That we must have an addiction problem, or there must be some. We must be a derelict, but that's not true. There's so many people who live paycheck to paycheck, who's one paycheck away from losing everything. Everything. So his wife had died a year before in a car accident, and um, he had worked for a construction company and fell out of the two-story window, broke both of his ankles. They did not have work comp. They did not pay him for the time out, so they lost everything. And he had his kids. And he had his kids. And you so when you're homeless and you don't have an address, what address are you going to put down on your application? School, yeah. Or for them to go to school. You lose your Social Security card, what address will they send it to? Mm. And if you're homeless, you cannot afford a $45 P.O. PO box. P.O. box, yeah. So there's just so many things that compound and stacked on top of each other. Um, that lead to that type of thing. And then I remember going to my friend's house, tonight, and I just sobbed all the way to the barbecue restaurant where we got our food. And that night, I said, God, if you want me to do something, tell me what to do. So I was driving back to work, and there's all this land that's not being used in Clinch County. And I said, that's it. That's absolutely it. And I and I think Atlanta wants to help, but Atlanta is running out of room. resources too. Yeah, they're growing, you know, they're building buildings up. Yep. And you know, it's the support services that really help people keep, stay off the streets. Mm-hmm. Social um, workers, the health pro- providers, mental health, and so forth. And I said, what if there were people, homeless families, veterans, so forth, who would love to move to rural Georgia for the children to learn how to hunt, fish, FFA, um, get out of the urban rat race, but they have absolutely no idea what's waiting for them, no way to get there, and right. there is no money to fund them. So, what if we could partner with Atlanta? Uh, partner with philanthropists and we use this unused land that's just sitting there and develop a homeless village and say and then I have 17 open positions right now possibly more a couple of the other industries in town have 30 to 50 open positions right now wow that we cannot fill with right. our local homegrown folks yes. so what if we posted those positions work with the social workers had people apply for the job and be vetted and I mean vetted because as a um, hospital and because we receive um, funds from the federal government we can not employ people with felonies and so right. forth but other industries can right. for if you take the job and you agree to come to work guess what you get a house for free for a year a tiny home nice and so to help them as like a launching pad a launching pad but then you are going to participate with your community that's my dream you're going to work with your social services we're going to teach you how to build a budget mm-hmm. we're going to teach you to prepare you to buy a house <coughs> in the near future Um, And I kept thinking of those two boys, and every time the idea pops up, I see those faces. Um, But I think that every idea is a bad idea until it catches on. (laughs) And if we uh, wait till somebody else does it, then you're just a follower instead of a leader. Mm -hmm. But this is a way to revitalize dying rural towns who have some little source of industry in there. We have to grow our own employees and bring them there. So um, the professor... Um, at UGA heard about it. He's my friend Donnie and he um, heard about the project talked to me on the phone and he was like okay and then he said you know these are like all the other people I have a great idea and they're never going to follow through and then he read the Time Magazine article mm-hmm. so Donnie Longnecker called me back and he says I want to work with you. Wow. So his summer program of students at the College of Environment and Design completely designed an entire Homer, Homer Village for me. Homer Village? Yeah made it so pretty uh chose the landscaping or the landscaping all the way from the first brick that we would need calculated cost for us wow and put it in this beautiful presentation package uh-huh. so if everything lines up right and um, we continue and hopefully get more community support um i'm hoping that uh we can make it happen and then it can be replicated in every yes. rural town that's dying yes. and we can help um, prevent homelessness
1: absolutely and like you said kind of source um the need because maybe there isn't that many you said like 30 and 17 maybe there isn't that many people to directly impact within your community but like you said kind of expanding that radius and you know allowing people from Atlanta to maybe participate in the program so on and so forth yes you're kind of helping them Mm -hmm. I really like that and something that came to mind I don't know I'm sure you probably already thought of it you know you said the tiny homes and I love this one show on Netflix called tiny homes but they make them really out of all kinds of stuff like even cargo Like containers or like 18 wheelers, Mm -hmm. you know, tractor trailers that you just see piled up sitting there. They renovate them and they make them totally livable, quaint, cute little space. Mm -hmm. And they're fully functional and sustainable and at at minimal cost because it's a recycled good, like an upcycling type thing. Yeah. We looked at that. Um, They presented
0: ideas about that. And there's also, um, you know, recycled materials from other homes get torn down and stuff. And Mm -hmm. the biggest obstacle is a lack of buy-in from the community that we work in. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of um, CEOs or other people who are forward thinkers fight that um, battle, is that people are afraid of change. They like the way things are now, and they don't have a full understanding of your vision and your Mm -hmm. dream of actually helping people. You know, our our town has so many churches. Mm -hmm. There's a church on every corner, you know. But what are we doing to help people?
1: Well, with only 6,800 people in in your area then there could only be like maybe 30 parishioners in each of the church
0: but you know let's you know what are we doing here i mean we only have a small amount of time on this earth we have to make it as impactful as possible and um you know we have to constantly look for opportunities to help someone else's life i mean who's not to say where i'd be if there had not been those two or three people who were just so very kind mm-hmm. to me when I was um, on my own or I was struggling in different scenarios in my life. And so I always promised, and I remember in um, moments of complete struggle and lack, God, if you ever help me get out of this, I promise to pay it forward for the rest of my life. Oh, and mm-hmm. so that's what we're tasked to do, and that's what I'm tasked to do. Absolutely, I want to run to the back of the line and put other people first as much as possible.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, Angela, um, everything's kind of coming together. I'm having these epiphanies about you as I speak okay. to you. I see it from such an early age, you know, that this was this was your destiny. And you were talking about uh, being tapped on the shoulder by the good Lord. And if you don't answer the call, you know, likely someone else will be tapped. Do you think not everybody is as. Uh, not everybody's able to hear the spiritual call. Maybe I believe that's the Holy Spirit that was mm-hmm. inside of you that said, "Hey, I am. This is my mission." But that life or that breath, like you said, might live in so many, and it's just untapped. Mm-hmm. How would you? Um, how would you help someone kind of dig down deep to find maybe their mission? Do you remember a long time ago? I'm sure you do because you love to read. The Purpose Driven Life. Yes. This is like in the '90s. Yes. Okay, and it was like a, a workbook. Yes, and I read it too, and I thought. <laughs> Like, what is the purpose? Mm-hmm. So, trying to help someone find their purpose or get involved, what would be your recommendation? It's the removal of self. I mean, in everything that you want to do, or,
0: you know, there's an idea. If you really want to know if it's for the good and for yourself, I mean, how does this impact me? Is this for self fulfillment? Um, am I going to hurt somebody in the situation or, dis- or decision? Sometimes you do. It's, you know, it's not direct. Um, but, um, I believe that, um, and I appreciate everyone's spirituality, but I believe that we're all tasked with doing good. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the quickest prayer that's ever answered is, what is between you and me? And sometimes you just have to be quiet. A lot of prayers are spent you talking. Sometimes you have to be Mm -hmm. quiet and listen. But um, actually asking yourself, how can I be a part of something big? And anything we do is big. How can I make an impact today? I mean, it could be the littlest thing. Like last night when I was um, coming in um, late from I had a business dinner and I got some ice cream from the little gift shop and Yum. I said, you know, it's the little things. And the guy was just sitting there and I said, would you like some ice cream? I'll be more than happy to get it for you as a treat. And he's like, no, that's so nice. No one has ever asked me that oh, before, yeah. but you don't know. What struggle is going on with somebody? Mm-hmm. You don't know um, what's going on with somebody. You just calling someone by name when you're going through the drive through Picking up the tab for the next car yeah. behind you. Um, just being overtly nice or just... Letting someone
1: go to the f- in front of you um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: is kind of a huge thing. And setting an example, like you yeah. gave the, the reference, like sometimes at Starbucks, that one guy will or, or gal will pay, and then it starts a chain reaction. Yes. So you can see through your little or your your effort yeah. that it um, you know was kind of a, a guide for the next person. Yeah,
0: yeah. And I'd say if you don't know, just start with one thing: volunteer. Go to a food shelter. Go to a soup kitchen. Um, go to a nursing home. Uh, those people sometimes have families that have just dropped them off and they never see them again, go and volunteer for bingo. You don't see – if you've never been to a bingo night at a nursing home, you don't know what excitement is, honey. They They get down. (laughs) Yeah. But go and volunteer. And, you know, sometimes when you're sick or you're depressed or you really just don't know what direction to go in, when you give of yourself to others, sometimes the enlightenment happens Mm -hmm. after that. You receive. Yeah.
1: Um, In case anybody listening – and, you know, we we have a really – Hyper local following here, mm-hmm. but we we span. Uh, our listeners are everywhere. Somebody in your area that might want to get involved or help any one of the missions that you mentioned yeah. or be of service. Um, are there any places that they could go? Anything that you could recommend? Well, um, if they
0: like the idea, the homeless village. You know, I'm always looking for people who can help me build that. Um, people who like are doing literally it. build it, like yeah, building it. And, okay, <laughs> like philanthropists, people who are trying to combat homelessness right now in Atlanta and just are just frustrated because there's just not enough resources or uh, support services going around. There's not any land. I'm all about ideas. Please reach out to me. And if you love what we're doing at Clinch and if you want to help the underdog, you know, we were a hospital that people thought we were already closed or didn't exist, you know, there's a Georgia tax credit. If you pay taxes in the state of Georgia, people, the state of Georgia has allotted $60 million that you, instead of writing a check to the state of Georgia... You can choose a critical access rural hospital of your choice, and you can pay all of your tax liability to, to that hospital? hospital, and the state of Georgia gives you a dollar-for-dollar dollar tax credit. Wow. So, if you owe $2,300 in state taxes
1: mm-hmm.
0: in January, if you know that's what you usually pay, you can apply to the Georgia Heart Choose Clinch Hospital. You have six months to send that check-in. And guess what? State of Georgia says your taxes are paid. So instead of
1: paying the IRS, it's going as a donation to you? Instead of paying the state of Georgia, it's That's going amazing. To, yes. Why yes. doesn't everybody do that? I don't know. Please do it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, I think I owed like $1,500 last year. So it would be my pleasure to learn about the Georgia Heart. Yes. And flex those funds. Yes. So that they can help you. You know, I want to take back just really quickly because something stood out to me about your mission work. And, um, you know, you said... I'm not ready for this, you know. It takes me a while to get ready. Get out there and let's just <laughs> yeah. sweat, girl. Let's yeah. sweat. Um, I did some mission work with the church as well a few mm-hmm. times. We went to Mexico, and it was a very interesting experience. I'd say mostly what I took away from that, other than learning how to stucco, I can stucco can oh, you that's help great. Let's help you stucco okay. the village, um, is how appreciative yes. I was when I got home to the of United everything. States of everything, water. That you can drink from the faucet, running water, um, you a know, car. Yes, something that we take for granted every single day. Access Angela. to healthcare. Yes, and that is so different I in know. a n- not even third world country, just another country, but yes, a third world country. Yeah. So that feeling of gratitude when you return, yes. I wish it could last forever because I'm sure you can you can draw back on your experience and that mm-hmm. feeling as can I. But it's nothing like those first two days when you got back home, oh, and yeah. you basically wanted to kiss the ground like you see in movies.
0: Yeah, my kids better not complain about anything for like two weeks. I'm yeah.
1: like, I saw a child dying. What are you talking about? You I know. know. So, so that feeling, yeah, I would highly recommend that everybody kind of get out of their comfort zone yeah, and, and, and do
0: practice that. gratitude every day. You know, there are some days. You know, I love my job, but there are some days I would just rather be at home with my dog. And I'm like, I gotta get up at five because I have this eight o'clock meeting. And and I say, and I stop myself and say, Angela, no. You have a wonderful opportunity to be CEO of the hospital. Mm -hmm. You have been given a great position. I'm very thankful to be able to go in and have a finance meeting at 8 o'clock in the morning. And Mm -hmm. it does change the way you feel. Mm -hmm. So I stop myself. I give myself about five minutes, sometimes 30 seconds of the rant. And I just literally tell myself, enough. Like, I had a huge letdown a few weeks ago where, you know... um, I realized that uh, a friendship really wasn't what it was, and you just had the uh, tablecloth pulled right off the table, and my dishes were still sitting there, and I did. I cried like a girl at home by myself on the front porch in the dark, thinking, you know, when can you trust someone, mm. blah, 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 and then I said, this is enough. You've given yourself 15 minutes. You're a survivor. You're resilient. Get up and do what
1: you've always done. You will be fine. Bounce back. back. Bounce back. Mm-hmm. Bounce, velvet brick. Velvet (laughs) Brick. You know, I I like what you just said because I call it stewing in it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you need to feel that feeling, and it's okay. Get mad. Get upset. Cry. Let it out. Feel those feelings, and then, like you said, grab hold of yourself and move on Right. because you can really get stuck in that that emotional. Mm -hmm. I know I can. I lead with my emotions.
0: Own it. I mean, if you don't own it, you don't know how to do it. And I remember, I think it was Gloria Steinbeck. I can't remember who said this. If you don't know what it's like to wrestle the power away from someone you don't know you will not know what to do the power when you get it so you have got to experience all of those emotions yeah. you have got to have to failure and defeat and also the the fame and the glory with it because if you do get it you're not going to know how to handle it right
1: so i like that i'll have yeah. to look that up well angela your passion for service and your um leadership is all evident to those listening that might like to um grow themselves or might be bridging a gap similar to some of the ones that you Mm -hmm. mentioned what would be your advice or recommendation to them to power through and continue um, to try to achieve well for women my first bit of advice is wear
0: the damn skirt listen guys we were created to be beautiful creatures we were not created to be men if someone ever says you need to dress like the fellas you're not a fella and dress and, and another girlfriend told me her mom always said if honey if you own a Cadillac you need to drive that thing like so it. if you own a Cadillac drive it be who you are don't try to play yourself down for anyone okay second thing is you got to constantly invest in yourself the clock does not stop at five o'clock mm-hmm. listen to the podcast take an ongoing education course read okay. a book and surround yourself with excellent people who will tell you the truth I have a good friend at work. His name is Preston, and I'll tell him something. And I may get a little upset when he gives an answer. He said, you want validation or you want the truth? Truth. I want the truth. Truth, so, um, So be open and honest with yourself. Recognize the things you don't do well and work on those. But appreciate the things you do and just own it. And, you know. Life is hard. Things are not going to be easy every single day. You know, I've thought about leaving before. It's not going to be any easier at any other hospital. It's just going to be different names, different faces. And you'll have to start all over again. you have to start all over again. So I just um, want to first applaud... Every single person who's out there working hard and hustling, congratulations, keep doing it, but um, look for the good in every single day. And when you have the opportunity, pour into someone else, Mm -hmm. mentor someone else, take the time to take another female to lunch who's struggling, Mm -hmm. and be bold enough to tell them the truth absolutely in a tactful way in a tactful <laughs> way in yeah. a tactful way mm-hmm. yeah it, we have so many interns that come through our facility and other areas and i think there is this mentality of they should know better they'll get it eventually well guys why don't we help them get it earlier yeah. but sitting them down and say you're a little bit arrogant mm-hmm. be careful in the way you speak in a public meeting mm-hmm. um you're dressing kind of inappropriate for the scenario it's fine the way you dress for the nightclub but maybe right. it's not appropriate oh for this and how do you want to be perceived Some business etiquette yeah and if someone had done that 30 years ago for me I would have saved myself a lot of mistakes and embarrassment so I think that
1: we have a responsibility to speak up mm-hmm. and help others I would agree with that yeah you know I was reminded of something that you said a dear friend of mine Deirdre Cox mm-hmm. who was recently featured on celebrating Powerful women she says if you have a seat at that table you belong there that's right no question about it no question that about that is it. your seat own it and I hear that's what you're saying too yes you own that seat
0: yes mm-hmm. and when you get a seat at that table and I remember a podcast from Kat McDavid this um, person she was interviewing and she said when you finally get a seat at that table make it your mission to build another table so there'll be plenty of other chairs for all the other women so who that are finally get there plenty of seats. yeah
1: I like that I've never heard that yeah build another table build another table Angela is there anything else you'd like to share with our audience I've enjoyed speaking with you greatly well I've enjoyed being
0: here I'm so grateful for the opportunity and um, thank you so much and I just want to encourage anybody who's afraid to do something I was terribly afraid to do my first podcast or do a public speaking it does get easier every Uh single time but there's a reason you're being asked you may not know it and you may not know it
1: until a year from now but do it Mm -hmm. there's a plan out there that's bigger than you I think you said this in your other podcast as well. Um, You never know who is listening to your story and how that might directly impact them. And that might have just been what they needed to find some empathy and, you know, answer the charge. Absolutely. If anybody wants to connect with you, like maybe on LinkedIn or or anything like that. Just give them my email. Um, my office number i will be more than happy to call them back perfect and we will put those in the show notes we are connected on all social media platforms speaking of social media platforms you guys please make sure to follow us on all um, all of the social outlets at Gwinnett Radio X we enjoy engaging with you and we enjoy um, sharing what goes on in the studio because we're not always on camera like we were today (laughs) surprise Angela (laughs) anywho thank you again for your time today and I appreciate you uh, making the journey to speak with me and I look forward to continuing our friendship or absolutely. relationship absolutely um, as the time goes by you guys these shows are available 24/7 online on itunes iheart radio youtube where do you listen to your podcasts angela oh gosh apple, apple. me podcast yeah it comes Whatever. right on your Pops phone spotify right yes
0: yeah, right there
1: although i will tell you um i encourage you do you have like an alexa or a google home i do okay which one do you have what hang on
0: let me see. I have the Alexa.
1: Okay, I have the Google Home. Okay. I don't know. I got it. At a, I want it at an event. That's why I have the Google Home. <laughs> Nonetheless, when you get home, the mm-hmm. Alexa, play the latest celebrating powerhouse women. Episode. I will do it, and you will hear yourself. Oh it's God. so exciting. <laughs> um You guys, we are live every Friday at 11:30 a.m. on BusinessRadioX.com. Select the Gwinnett Studio again. Thank you so much for uh, participating, Angela. If you guys find value in the series, please subscribe, rate, and review. Um, Thanks for joining us. I've been your host, Amanda Birch, and this is Celebrating Powerhouse Women on Business Radio X.